Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey Podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. That's right. We are back. We are back. I'm so excited to have to be back. Uh, this is episode 96 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast in partnership with Primetime Sports Talk. They cover all the bases of New England sports. Check them out. Check out their content over at primetimesportstalk.com. Also want to mention really quick before we uh, mention the panel that's with us today. Uh, we do have um, a Patreon account that's going on to help us financially. Uh, you can go to patreon.com uh, slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate uh, a dollar. Just donate a dollar. And if you do that, we're going to uh, start doing a listener rewards program where we, we, uh, we select a random Patreon uh, contributor and send out some uh, cool Bruins gear from either Fanatics or our own black and gold uh, hockey podcast uh, shop. So I um, want to welcome in Court. How are we doing, buddy? I am good, thank you. So good to talk to you again. It's been too long. Rob, same thing with you. How are you? I'm good, buddy. I'm great. Did you guys both have some uh, good summers? 
work, work, and more work, really. So, <laughs> same here. Yeah. Corey, how was your summer? It's been interesting. Um, you know, concussion won't go away, but uh, is what it is. They keep pushing. Yeah, just keep keep up the good fight, brother. And you, you know that we're here for anything you need. Always thinking about you. So, uh, yeah, that sucks. And you know, oh, I feel so bad for you. But yeah, that's what it is. I'm, I I have a feeling you'll truck right on because you're a trooper. So, it's the goal. Yeah. Um. Uh, my, myself, uh, I had a good summer. It's just the same thing with Rob. It's just work. I do my regular forty, and then I seems like I do another forty hours on the on uh, preparing for everything on the website and adding new people and getting rid of people. And it's just it's just it's it's a busy thing, but I love it regardless. But I'm just really excited to be back talking hockey. Um, and let's just just jump right into a couple of topics that that. Um, we figured out we have a, a list of agendas. If we get to them, we get to them. If we don't, we don't. Sorry. But um, uh, first one I want to bring up is is uh, there's a lot of people that are concerned about the McAvoy contract talks, and um, th- th- just because that he's not s- signed as of right now, and he, it was one year left on his entry level contract, I I, I don't want to set the freak out now, but. Is it concerning that nothing has been done when a lot of contracts in the NHL with one year remaining have gotten done? No. Especially with what the Bruins are looking like right now. Um, Chara's took a one-year deal. Maybe he plays another year. I know there's a lot of people out there don't want him to, but if he plays like he did last year, then uh, they've got to try and fit the cap around what they're doing. So... I think they're just waiting, seeing where the money's going to go, and then offer fair value on what they can. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be concerned at all. Um, if you look at the Bruins, they're not uh, historically they're not the team that uh, signs a guy the year before, anyways. And second of all, you're only concerned with the situation like in Toronto right now, where Nylander is not even signed yet in training camp's opening. So exactly, in, I was, that in, was... in, until that happens. Uh, it is what it is. And I don't see it being a problem. They're all saying the right things. Um, with the Nylander Toronto situation, I hear about it all the time. They haven't been saying the right things. Uh, Kyle Dubas is saying things, but I don't think they're the right things. So that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's another tough one in, uh, in Toronto, but, um, we're, we're okay with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not overly concerned at all. I, I, I think that, like like you said, it, it is typical Bruins to, to do this. Um, but there's there's a lot of people that they think that they, they there's a chance that he might want to move on if he's not entertained earlier to say that, you know, that we really want you. Let's get this done now. I think that there's there's, there's plenty of time to negotiate, even even if you don't want to do it during the regular season. Did he become an unrestricted free agent we just don't know about it? No, like I don't understand. He has He's no, no, yeah, no offense, Charlie. Like you don't hold many cards here. Um, yeah, I and I don't like it. Like I said, I don't see this being a problem. I see this being an easy sign up. Um, there's no point. I'm sure they had conversations over the summer, and probably we don't know the conversations that are held behind closed doors. But it could have just been Charlie's camp saying, "Hey, let's just wait till next year," and they're like, "Okay," end right. of discussion. Or right. it could happen during the season. He starts off strong, you know. Boom, sign him again. But it's not that big of a deal. Just let it go. Yeah, and I think it's more on his side whether he's going to want a bridge deal and then maybe go after more money then, or does he want to sign long-term for 
less money than he might be worth. So, I think the bridge deals are done. Yeah, but there's always that thing where just one surprises you out of nowhere, and some guy asks for a bridge deal, and you're like, okay. Like Even I that- thought Tory Krug was going to sign a big long deal that first time. And he only signed what was it, two year deal at three million, I think it was. Yeah, it was, which, it was it was one, one and one, and then he went for the big five. Which yeah. ended up being a huge mistake. They could have got him for, you know, a four million dollar like a Morgan Riley cap hit yep. and had yeah. him locked up long term. I I'll say this still in blue in the face. Bridge deals are dumb. Yeah. Plain really simple. Are. It 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 I would say twenty percent of the time it works out for the team. Eighty percent of the time it works out to burn the team. Oh yeah. Definitely. Imagine they did a bridge deal on Pasta. Oh, oh. oh my and God. People are worrying about this signing. Look at what happened with Pasternak. Look at how much he's signed for. And he put up 35 goals and 45 assists. Yeah, but and they signed him for nothing. My, my thing with the whole Pasta deal is it seemed like he wanted to be here. And he wanted to do something that was friendly. Even though it took like almost uh, you know, the 11th hour up to last, last summer's training camp to get him done. I think he still wanted to be here and do something. So I I, I see that in Charlie. I see that I see yeah. him saying, "I love Boston. This is where I want to go." I mean, I mean, I want to. I mean, he's stepping into some big shoes in the next year or two. So why not take advantage of that and then you know, uh, be a little friendly on the money and get maybe a. I don't know if they do eight year deals anymore or five or six year deal. Who knows. But you know, at at about five or six million, a, a, a pasta friendly contract wouldn't be bad. But even seven million, I'm not going to shy away from. Yeah, that. I'm going to say the number right now. If it was done right now, it'd be six and a half to seven. Yeah, five years, five to six yeah. years. Yeah, if, remember, it's, it's, it's going to be it's somewhere like, around that. It's like, like I said, same situations going on here in Toronto. We could have a worse situation where you have to sign Nylander, Matthews, and Marner. We're not. We just got McAvoy. The rest of the guys aren't going to cost that much money as of right now. Right. So. Shouldn't be honestly. Just pump the brakes, people. Step off the ledge. And and when you talk about Toronto, and I, I know we're a Bruins podcast, but when you talk about Toronto, it's like they made a huge um, investment into getting uh, John Tavares there. But you know, you could score as many goals in the freaking league as you want, but you still got a shoddy defense. You know, it, it I it, it all like as my dad said to me this morning. Anderson doesn't have a good year. It doesn't make a difference. Yeah. They they lost Bozak and and, and uh, JVR. That's the same amount of goals when you throw in Tavares. They they got a better player. I still say that it's going to be if they Marner is going to cost them more money now because of Tavares oh, because sure. he's yeah. going to play with them for a year. Oh yeah, yeah, the big contract year right there. Yeah, and Matthews is going to ask for McDavid money, and why wouldn't he? There's no team friendly deal anymore. Yeah, good point. Anyways. Uh, um... Moving on, there's another big conversation is is what what the lines are going to look like, especially on the first line when you have. I mean, there's a lot of people that are saying that they would like to see that line broken up to spread diversity throughout the the, the depth of the uh, NHL Bruins, and possibly move Pasternak down with Krejci. And we I know we've talked about this many times before, but there's a couple of articles that I read where, read where uh, Bruce Cassidy has mentioned that in certain situations and against certain teams that he would rather have a matchup of Pasternak down on the second line and then have somebody else on the right side up on the first line. You're not breaking up the best line in hockey last year, but what you're doing is you're just spreading out the offense a little better and you're not so con- constricted on in certain situations. Would you agree that would you like to see Pasta permanently on a second line or more of a, a float 
and 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 go with the flow kind of situation. I, I'd rather see them split them up for certain games because when you're playing a top team who who play well, like have one line that can play really well against the top line, then I'd split Pasternak up and maybe put him with Krejci. Uh, but I, I'd rather see that line stay together next season and see what they can do with Krejci's line. Um, I, I've always said it. I, I, it's great that they're. I love the fact that they're the best line in hockey, but and it, they're not the easiest line to stop. But um, if you can find someone that can go in there on the first line and just plug in a couple points here and there and be consistent, then why not give it a try? If you could have two number one lines, you'd be the, one of the most dangerous teams in hockey. And when you have a team like Toronto in the Atlantic that's going to have two number one lines. You might need to keep up. Like right. you can't just have everybody. Like I, I, I don't know. I could be wrong. They just, are the best line in hockey, but and they all yeah. say it, the best line in hockey. But if you can have two number one lines, I, I don't see why you wouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. And the way you're saying it is more like I think it's easier to find a right winger to fit in on that top line than yeah. it is to find one that fits in with Krejci. And Correct. Pasternak definitely fits in with Krejci. Exactly. They play well together. That's that's what all I'm saying. Like it's just. When you have the chemistry, it's when you find chemistry with players, you will, the those guys want to play with them. And yep. this whole thing that we're going to talk about a lot later, oh, anyways, that, that's like a segue. Into, uh, oh, yeah, that's like a, a segue into the uh, people saying that Krejci's whining. Yeah, we might as well just take care of that now. Um, uh, it's it from what my understanding from being in at at Bruins events. Uh, at the Warrior Ice Arena over the summer, there's, there's reports that, and reporters that are basically going at David Krejci uh, and, and saying, you know, about the, the line split up and so on. But also, it brings up another situation that he might be a little unhappy with the organization for what happened prior to July 1st in free agency and saying that he wasn't thrilled about them trying to get JT, which I I don't understand as a fan, but as a as a player, which I've never have been. But you know, you you would think that you would want to get the best person available to help your team win an ultimate goal. So with him saying that he's unhappy with them talking to John Tavares because he was it was that his exact quote. I thought he just said that he didn't know anything about it and. He, no, why no. would he be happy? From reports, he said that he wasn't happy with them talking to John Tavares because basically he'd be the one that has to be asked to waive his his no trade clause. Correct. You know, I, I just think it was a personal thing saying, like, hey, you know, you guys want this guy in, but obviously I'm not I'm not a fit here anymore. You know, I think he's probably just more frustrated at the fact that they'd obviously target a top six center, which David Krejci definitely is. I mean, he produces way more than a third line center. Um, and that's not just point wise. That's everything. Um, and I think, I think he's, he was more just frustrated thinking that the Bruins think that he can't keep up with it and be a top six center. Right. Uh, um, I, I, I honestly don't think that he is upset with the organization at all i think that's just probably he's let out a bit of emotion when asked a question 
and that's it. No, I've I've noticed in my interactions with with people um, over the summer, like I said, when I've been covering the events, that you know, it it a lot of it might seem media driven, and he might he might be like his personal attack on them. <clears throat> all of it is. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No sorry. Problem. I just. Yeah. It all all of it is. Yeah. So. I, I just I, I just hope that's not the situation at all. If it you know we, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So you know if it, I just hope he's happy and going to be a, a a solid teammate, which I I believe he is. Um, you know so I think Krejci is one of them guys that the media go after because it's an easy easy target, just like Tukaresk. I right. think it's one of them that the they know the fans have a question mark about that guy, and then they just target that because that's how they get articles out and that's how people click on them. Yeah. And a lot of the times it comes to nothing and you never hear about it again because it's mainly a fabrication. Perfect example of what it passed to say the first thing he had a chance. Didn't miss you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I, can exactly. You, I can guarantee you they're going to get in the dressing room. They're going to laugh about this and be like, just like they, oh, they do about the whole Tuca thing. It's yeah. the media, they, you know, they got to get their clicks. I totally get it. It is what it is. This is just my opinion. Right. But I honestly think Krejci, yeah, obviously, he would have been pissed. Uh, anybody would have been pissed that you might be leaving a place that you love playing. And that also should show the fans that he loves the city of Boston, loves playing for the Boston Bruins, because if he wasn't pissed, then you have a problem. Right. Well, That's all I got to say. If he was not pissed, then you then you have a problem. That means he he's not going to be... He's going to get over it. He's going to go out and play hockey, and it is what it is. He knows he's not coming now, and his job is fine. Yeah, and said, I think, what did he say? He said that no one approached him. So no one in the organization approached him about it. That was his only thing. He wished that maybe they would have talked to him about it, but then again, no one approached him to ask him to waive his no-trade clause. So, right. yeah. well, then, and I think if he was that annoyed that he would have probably requested a trade if it was that bad yeah. as they're making out. Or at least handed his list of teams in, which players can do. So, well, here's yeah. here's my thing: is if you're sitting at the table talking to John Tavares, okay, then why would you ask Tracy to move his no trade clause? But if you sign John Tavares to come to Boston, I think that would be the appropriate time to ask him. Like, one hundred percent. And yeah. and remember, Tavares is an upgrade over Krejci, and Krejci shouldn't see it as a slight. It just it is what it is. Right. Yeah. If you can make your hockey club better, you do it. Plain and simple. He, exactly. Yeah, he also said in in the interview that uh, he understands that hockey is a bit business, and sometimes yeah. these things happen. So, I think, like exactly. I said before, it's but, just a show of emotion when asked a question that was probably pissing him off a little bit. That's okay. We know there's going to be an article later on in the season that says he has no emotion. <laughs> oh well, yeah. What a yeah. shocker! I can just imagine where that's coming from. But like, think about it. If Pasternak, one of the fan favorites and media favorites says a joke that really wasn't a joke when he says when he jokes about it and says oh i didn't miss you guys he meant it yeah. but it's yeah. more it's like you know what i mean yeah. like come on when when tuka rask is giving guys tips and saying don't listen to the media because i don't that's what it is right uh, moving on to uh, a little bit of injury and and speculation um matt Kalman wrote an article on his personal personal uh, website mattcalman.com and he was wondering where Anders Bjork was. And, and I found it funny because I questioned that to myself when I was at camp on Thursday uh, covering the event. And I, I noticed that he wasn't there. 
and he wasn't on the roster that they gave the media on Thursday. Um, but he was on it, on the roster in an article on uh, August 8th from the Boston Bruins official website. And so that tells me that he's coming down to the end of his six-month recovery time, and they're being really cautious uh, on putting him in a situation because these prospect games I've heard from, from – um, uh, Josh Bemis, he's the uh, the prospect co-host on the second hour, and he was out there uh, covering for us, and also writer for the blackandgoldhockey.com website, uh, Jen Stasiel-Kum, was also out there uh, for us, and they both said that maybe this is a situation you do not want to put Bjork in, because this is like some rough hockey that these guys are really uh, putting themselves uh, in situations of of hard hits and so on. So you don't want to, uh, you know, have an injury co- caused by that. And I, I guess from what I heard uh, from somebody on Twitter that uh, some prospect kid that was playing in a, a prospect game got carried off in, in, in a stretcher. So after a hit. So it, it can get a little rough, and I understand that they want to hold him back to make sure that he can be available for that the, uh, the 2018-19 season start. But... The other thing is, is people think that he might have a setback in his training, that he could have injured himself while he was getting ready to uh, to prepare for the year. So any thoughts on that or or just am I just maybe reading into it too much? I, I probably think they just they know that he'll be ready to go for the main camp. They might have wanted to look at a different prospect a little bit more and not had space. So they've said, you know what, Anders, just sit this one out and be ready for main camp. Because, I mean, that roster is pretty full, like the prospect roster. And there's a lot of guys they'll want to look at, especially with guys leaving from the AHL from last season. So I I think it's just the, the case of, is Anders Bjork still really a prospect prospect, like a young guy, or is he an NHL-ready guy who can just show up to the main camp? And I think he's ready to go just going through the main camp. I don't think he needs to do the prospect challenge, really. Yeah, I I don't think it's that big of a deal, but hey, what do we know? Like, don't know much about him. If you're, if you're Anders Bjork and you've had a history of all year of weird little injuries popping up here and there maybe you're just being precaution and precaution's not that big of a deal yeah i, but, yeah. I don't believe so either i mean I, I i just hope it doesn't didn't have a setback that's all that it might it might be a little longer than expected i do want to see him succeed i really do i think he's a great player i think he's got a lot of talent and i did just an unfortunate rookie year and i hope he i hope he has enough to bring it in this in his second professional season but um uh, moving on to somebody that's been in the league a very long time, and it's obviously Zdeno Chara, and he's going to be, if he's not 41 now, he's going to be. I think uh, he is. Yeah, he's, okay, thank you. But he's on his last year of his contract, and, and, and it's a $5 million deal, and I'm really not going to hamper on that. But my thing is, is what do you do for the future? I mean, in my opinion, and I'll, I'll go first on these questions, is, is, uh, I'd like to see him here for at least one more year to 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 stay with the McAvoys, to stay with the the Carlos and 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 others, 
to uh, to nurture, keep nurturing them as they continue to develop. Uh, but I wouldn't go another year. I, I think this is enough for the Chara. Just for the fact is, and I'm not I'm not downgrading or discrediting his his play, or or what he's done in the league in the past, or the or, or the or the Bruins organization as a whole. But my thing is, is that cap space. If you, if you seriously want, you got you got experience talking to John Tavares at a table. If you want that experience to carry over to a better free agent class this year, and you want to address certain areas of need. You have to have available funds, and I think that his five million and Adam McQuaid's two point five or two point seven, you knock that off, you you create more of an opportunity to gain to gain players like that off of the free agent list. So, I just think that this is should be his last year, and I, I don't think it'd be a wise idea to bring him back for another. Uh, your thoughts? Um, there was a thing that people were saying, oh, there's some good players out there in free agency this season and the Bruins didn't bite on them. Maybe next year is a good free agency pool, but we don't know until the season ends because guys go re-sign, like we've been saying. Um, there's not that many good players coming from bottom feeder teams that are actually going to say, oh, I've had enough of playing here, I'm going to go somewhere else. Um, because a lot of the main guys on them teams are guys that have been drafted by that team and played for that team for a long time. Um, I don't know. I think if it comes to like maybe a month into free agency and they haven't signed anyone, I'd bring Chara back for a year on a small deal. I mean, at least probably half of what he's on now at the age of what he'll be nearly 43 at the start of next season. Um, like if he's got one more year in the tank, I'd use him as a bottom six guy. Court. Yeah, I I have no problem if the guy can play. Then he and then have him back. He's just he was still one of the top defensemen in the league last year, and at least in the top thirty. And I, I don't know until I say he looks to. I people can have their opinions and say whatever, but his stick is better than half the guys in the league. So. I don't know. Yeah, I bring him back if, if there's if there's someone that has a spot like back in all these guys if they're ready, sure, okay. But if they're still not ready and he's willing to give you another year, why the hell not? Yeah, I don't know. and that brings up a va- very valid point and and a different angle you say right there, Court is is the youth. Now now if you if if you want to entertain Jara if he's if he does have a successful year this coming season. That's all well and good. I I appreciate his effort, regardless. But what you're also doing is that creates a, a you're also you know kind of hindering the progression of a younger player. So if if you want to entertain him to come back, then you got to start trading some of these guys that are knocking on the door of NHL careers. Um, it, it's just it just makes sense. So you know, it, well, one way or another, it's got to happen. So I mean, I can see the Bruins if they're not playing very well. Uh, right around the December area, that they probably make a move, and they, and if if they believe that he can come back and do something along with other players, other veterans that are on on fringe deals, you know, they something's going to give. And I don't you know, know my rule: as long as it makes the team better, do it. Right. If it doesn't, don't do it. And something's got to give on that decor anyway, because they're holding eight professional NHL defensemen right now. Yeah, right now, which is. <laughs> 
you know, and, and they brought in uh, Mark Fain on a PTO. I don't think he's going to be with the team, but I think no. and everybody's, everybody's losing their mind, but we all know it's either going to be Grizz or McQuaid having the popcorn. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I, I, I honestly, the way Cassie seems to like McQuaid, McQuaid doesn't have a good camp. He's up there. But I nine times out of ten, I'd have McQuaid on the ice over Grizz. But that's just my opinion. Cause right. I just I think he still needs seasoning. He played great last year. Great. Yeah. And but. defense wins your championships. There you go. And McQuaid. Um, McQuaid plays. Yeah, yeah, he does. He plays well. Once he gets injured, he's useless. But Yeah. But, again, he, he always gets injured. Practice. He always gets injured doing, like, blocking a shot or playing his best. It's never he gets injured because he just trips up. Exactly. Like, yeah. People make it out that he's made of glass and like he just falls over and shatters on the floor. But we could, we could say that about Carlo. But yeah, but if yeah, you want right. to take like a hundred mile an hour slap shot to your ankle and see how you feel the next day when you go to work, <laughs> um, we can arrange that. Exactly. And <laughs> I, I sure. think McQuaid would be a better if you have a shutdown pair of Miller and McQuaid over Grizz and Miller. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. I mean, I will challenge anyone out there to put like two shin pads on and take an NHL slap shot no. from close range to it. No, Jeez. no, thanks. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, one one thing that I was uh, on Thursday, I was I had the opportunity to talk to Matt Grizzlick's uh, father as he was watching the uh, NHL skate after rookie camp uh, in uh, captain's practice. And, you know, I said, you know, what, did, what do you think about the John Moore signing? And he says, well, unfortunately, it probably forces my boy to sit. And, that, you know, and, and I'm a grizzly guy. I know he's from the area, and, and uh, I kind of like his game and his offense. And But that kind of sucked to hear that, you know, there's a possibility that he might be the one, too. So, I mean, there might be a few. You never know. It depends but, on who but, they want to carry on the 23-man roster. That means he had, he had a great year. And there's, and there's nothing against, like, but he also made mistakes he too. Sits up, exactly. Say he sits and, but for some reason, no one ever noticed, and they always notice Krugs. But it is what it is. I, I guess I noticed him. Um, but he spends he spends half the season up in the box, and then next year McQuaid's not here anyways, and he gets a full season with more experience and he's stronger. It's good for him. Right. I'm gonna say something controversial right now, and I don't okay. think he sits in the box at all. I think he's going to the AHL. Grizzlick. No. no. Oh, he, if he goes if he goes before the season starts, he doesn't have to clear waivers. I know, but then you stay then down there to bring him back and forth happens. and have to do but then once you bring him up, you can't send him back down. It'd just be the waiver yeah, process. But, and they're we, gonna have seven defensemen anyway. Are terrible with waivers. Yeah, but they're gonna no, to call him up he doesn't have to clear waivers, but to go back no. down he would have to. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, but then you wave a different guy that's obviously not playing that good, or uh, a guy that you like brought in on a one-year deal. There's nothing wrong to me. There's nothing wrong with having that many defensemen. I'm sorry. If if I brought him up and then he had to go back down, and I had a guy like Chris Wagner on my team, I would rather wave Wagner than Grizz. No, I so, I, I, I believe you. I 100 yeah. agree with you, but I don't know. I I I, I, I think. I think having this many defensemen is no, it's it's uh, it's a luxury. It also shows you maybe Char is needing some rest every now and then. Yeah, true. Yeah, his minutes do have to yeah. decrease a little bit to so, to keep him through. But even if he has games off, like even if he just takes 
a game off every, what, 10 games. That will keep him fresh for the playoffs. Right. I, I don't think he'd agree to have a game off every 10 games. But hey, You know me, I, I was the one who said trade Grizz. Yeah. So, well, I was like, we'll, his value is huge. Let's get a player yeah. for him. Well, I actually said that about Marshan before he signed his contract, which I got a lot of hate for. I would too. I'd hate you for it. <laughs> but it's at, the, it's at the same thing where if you've got a guy who you're not sure is going to sign, and that's only because we're in the fan base. Like, if a guy is so high, with like he's got so much momentum going and so much hype going for him around the league, that's a time to trade a guy like that if he's expendable. Well, sure, but I, I just look at Grizz's skill set and I'm like, I got Tory Krug, and Tory Krug's better. I don't care that Tory Krug's older. He's better. Yeah. And I don't he's think not Grizz will old. ever be. I don't think Grizz will ever be as good as Krug. So, it's just and my Krug opinion. is what 27, 28? twenty seven, twenty eight. He's twenty seven, and Grizz is twenty four. Exactly. That's not much of an age gap, really, unless you're looking at it like, oh, we're going to have Krug two years less on the end of his contract. I mean, I'd rather keep Krug. Agreed. Well, it's weird that Tory Krug's the highest paid defenseman on the team. Yeah, yeah but. It makes sense when you look at his assist totals. Right. David David Krejci's the highest paid player. So. Yep. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and is like the I think he's the guy who's been longest since signing. Like I think he's been on a contract longer than anyone else on that team, so that says something as well. What did you guys think of the uh, the the rumors over the summer? I'll throw in a couple out there. Um, Carlson. Just because, no. just because he wanted to sign in the lower 48, everybody immediately thought he's coming to Boston. Not no, never. All right, that he's was never quick. coming. Yeah, made no sense. Good quick one. Uh, how about Tyler Sagan? Made never no coming. No. All right, <laughs> I love it. Um, uh, our mutual friend was probably going to be eating this alive. Um, yeah, but he's, he's not coming back to Boston. Hey, come on. They, they treated him like a bag of garbage. Why would you want to come yeah, back? Yeah, exactly. Unless and, you roll big, giant dump trucks up and Cam Neely gets fired, he ain't yep. coming back. And a kid like yeah. that, was, and a kid like that wants to get paid, he's not going to leave a tax-free state and come to Boston and, they, and come to Massachusetts, which is one of the highest tax rates. I think he's going to Vegas. The team made it public. <laughs> he's going team to Vegas. made it public, people. They, they had think... a choice. They could have not had that behind the B thing go out, and they let it yeah. go out. Oh, I know. I know. That was dumb. If he goes anywhere other than Dallas, he goes to Vegas, biggest party town in the country. I'm sorry, that's where he does going. like the party. He does exactly, yeah. and tax free. Oh, and Wayne Simmons, no. If you're going there, yeah, back, no. Yeah, yeah no. I'm I'm off the Wayne train myself, just because the fact is that he's 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 going through off season injuries and and getting oh. surgeries and so on. He's I just don't want to take a commitment. I like he's the an player. Chief. I don't yeah. care. He's the next Lucic, and a lot of people like Lucic, and I, and he's the other one. Please, God, no! Not I will that, stop watching hockey. That is not happening. That <laughs> can't um, happen. Please don't mention Ilya Kovalchuk. Oh, that's <laughs> just Never. you know what? That it's was the, no. All right. Disgusting. Let's get over right. that that craziness of the rumor crap. I had to throw that in there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we should choice. just do that every week. This week's rumors. No, right. no, no. Hashtag Bruins rumor segment. Do <laughs> you, you know what a rumor is? Something that's not true. Yeah. yeah. So. Chinese whispers. <laughs> uh, uh, our next uh, topic. Uh, prospects fighting for um, 
Ross, NHL roster squads. And sorry, boys, I gotta go. All right, buddy. Okay, no worries. All right, uh, Rob, what do you think about the, the availability of uh, a roster spot that that a prospect could technically come in and take? I know Jack Stanika is very well spoken about for that third line center, but also a player like Trent Frederick, who has also played very well. Um, in college and one year, uh, I'm sorry, he didn't even play a full season in the AHL. But uh, from what I've seen and in my unprofessional opinion, I, I like the way his transition game is and his 200-foot game. Is there anybody else that you think that or, – or maybe one of those two that I, I mentioned that has a serious shot at it? I think after watching Studnika play in the Prospects Challenge, the guy looks almost there, like – he looks like he's a, like AHL ready top line center to me. Just the way he handles the puck and everything, and it looks like he's got eyes in the back of his head. That offensive game is there. I think he probably needs to do what Pasternak did and build his size a little bit more, especially to play center because it's such a demanding position on your body. Um, I, Trent Frederick, I like. I think he's built to be that kind of player that can be durable and fight in the corners and stuff like that. But a guy like Carson Coleman, is that how you say it, I think? Yeah, Carson Coleman. Yeah. He's been noted to play centre as well. Yeah, he's a versatile forward. Yeah, I really like the look of that guy. I think he's probably going to end up in the AHL this season. Um, But I mean, if you're talking about future third-line centres, a guy like that, he's got tenacity, he's got speed to burn. I think he's definitely the kind of guy that you'd like to see on your third line. Yeah, but, when, when, um, and when you talk about Carson Coleman, uh, Jay Leach, the Providence Bruins head coach, that was um, uh, basically leading the way when it comes to um, uh, rookie camp. And uh, said that, you know, he fit right in. Came right in after after signing the deal from college and inserted himself right in the lineup and, and did not, uh, you know, fail to impress. So, uh, you know, I know Jay Leach speaks very highly of him. So, and, you know, he's, he's going he's gonna to have a shot at camp regardless. But he's also going to get great, uh, more experience at the AHL level if he does, in fact, go down. So, I mean, I'm... Yeah. Even if even if none of these guys, if if Sutnika, if they believe Sutnika needs another year because he's eligible to go back to Oshawa uh, in the yeah. Ontario Hockey League, um, and Frederick don't make it, and they both need another year per the organization, I don't see why a player like Sean Corrali can't go up to that third line center. Um, I, and one thing I do understand, I, I'm I'm starting to believe is these this Bruins team is really pushing Donato to be a winger yeah, with that and center I, depth. Yeah, I think that's mainly because of his speed and his size. I think he's probably better off as a winger. And I, I do too because I don't see him as a, as a centerman because with the bigger the bigger guys in the NHL that he's going to be matched up in the circle with, I just see him basically getting outmatched. Oh, yeah. It, it, I think he'll get bullied off the puck a lot. Um I just, I think your point about, um, sorry, uh, Corrali, 
yeah. uh, starting at third line centre. I think that's a very good point because you've got to fit Noel Achari in there somewhere. Uh, even if that means he's sat in the box, I don't think he goes down to the AHL. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so, I mean, Noel Achari at fourth line, and then you just move up Corelli. I mean, that'd suit me. And Corelli's got good offensive game, good defensive game. Speed. I think, yeah, I think he's just, is similar to how Marshawn plays, where he plays with an edge. Uh, and I think that would be good to have a bit of tenacity on that third line centre spot because you've had you've had Nash there for what two years? Yeah, Riley. And I think he's yeah, and he's been very restrained, and he's a very he, he's pretty much a cheap Bergeron, mm-hmm. uh, and he's very composed on the puck and everything. But if you get a guy in there with a bit of tenacity, and he's going to get in people's faces and forecheck hard and everything. I'd rather see that. Yeah, absolutely. To be honest, and 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 having him, having Corrali on that third line with a, with a, a role player like David Backus, and I know, I know David didn't have a good year because of his health. Uh, he went through a lot of problems last year, and it really took a downslide um, in his, I believe, his second full or third full season, whatever. But um, yeah, second full. But having him on the right side and Corrali in the middle is just is is good for him in in, in a leadership way, and and even if um, a a player like Danton Heinen can't cut that that top right wing role uh, out of camp, I think that Heinen could also fit well on the left side because I know he has played left wing in the past, not much, but um, and uh, put Wagner on the fourth line, Achari and. Um, Nordstrom. Nordstrom, you know, I mean, that'd be a tough fourth line to play, and and I remember yeah. talking to uh, a person like Josh Bemis, who who writes for the Sinbin dot uh, net, um, him saying that 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 line right there, that fourth line I just mentioned, kind of reminded him of the Merlot line with the size yeah. and, and and speed and and a little bit of skill. So, and and you've got a guy like Anton Bleed down in the AHL that. Played quite a few games at the NHL level on that fourth line. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so I mean, you you you've got guys that are interchangeable there. You've got um, Jesse Gabriel coming back from his last year in the O eight. Was it the OHL? Sorry, no, it was the WHL and the Regina, WHL. Regina Pats. He got yeah. he got traded. He got traded. Uh, his rights got traded when he when he got sent back after twenty one games in the American Hockey League back in I believe November. So, yeah, because he played for the Cougars originally, didn't he? And yeah, and he also played for. I think there's another team he played for. He's bounced around a little bit. Um, yeah. he's an interesting story. There's a lot of a lot of rumors I've heard about him. I don't know if they're true or not, and I don't want to really get involved in them because, um, certain situations anyway. But uh, yeah. he will make a make a. He was not at the prospect challenge. I'm not sure if they don't consider him a prospect anymore, even though he's still under an entry-level uh, umbrella. Um, I don't know what's going on with that situation. I didn't see him at camp. He's not at the prospect challenge. Um, I don't know if he's going to be at the NHL camp. I'm, I'm assuming that he'll report right to AHL um, Providence training camp right after the Bruins camp. So 
And he, he's also an option for the uh, Atlanta, Thra- Atlanta, Atlanta Thrashers, uh, the Atlanta Gladiators of the uh, East Coast Hockey League, or the ECHL, sorry. But, Which will uh, would suit his style quite a lot, I think. Oh, yeah, he kicks If he played a few games. Yeah. Um, but I, I'm hoping for a bounce-back year off Gabriel. Um, I am too. I mean, I was, I was really high on him before they drafted him. So I am too. I, I mean... He, yeah. he he works hard, you know. He's got some skill. He's got some speed. Um, unfortunate act, um, injury before uh, during the uh, the uh, WHL playoffs, uh, he hurt himself and um, was unable to go in any games in the uh, Memorial Cup where where his team was the host. So an unfortunate, and I think he that his no show at at rookie camp or or this prospect challenge might be something to do with. Uh, either a recurring injury or or still rehabbing, so uh, it remains yeah. to be seen. And it's very difficult to find out information on prospects like that when they're injured because it's not something that gets talked about a lot. Oh yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Yeah, because I know I've had people ask me before, like, "Oh, is this guy going to be back to action for Providence?" And I'm like, "But." It's going to be impossible to find that out unless you directly message the player. Yeah, um, so, so not tough. a lot of people talk about it. Yeah, so, but like you were saying about the third line center job, I think there's, I think you got four or five guys that could fit in there. It's, just, I think it all comes down to training camp. Yeah, JFK. JFK is another one. Yeah. Uh, he's, he looked really good in the first two games um, of uh, the Prospect Challenge, uh, playing on the top line for both of them. And that was funny. I talked to Josh Bemis, uh, and we'll talk about this on the second hour, but um, he, uh, we both noticed that JFK was on the top line in both of those games that Jay Leach set up. And Stunika went from the first line, uh, went from the first game as a second line center down to, I'm sorry, First game as a third line center, up to the second game as a second line center, and JFK still hold the, held that spot. So, I think there's a high regard for uh, JFK and, and his effort in the upcoming camp to to really push for that for that job, and maybe even push like a player like Corrali down to the down to the uh, fourth line center role. With um, and, and as crazy as it sounds, many people really want to see Backus down in that line, but I'm I'm a I'm a bit nervous to put a six million dollar player down on the fourth line yeah but from what from what i've heard like from guys talking i think Bacchus is probably locked in on that third line i don't think jacob's family want to see what is it six million dollars on the fourth line yeah i i don't think they want to see that because that's not good return for the money um i mean who knows at this point with the bruins because Crazier things have happened, but right, absolutely, yeah. Uh, I I just think that going into the season, a guy like Jacks Jackstonika. I mean, we've seen it with guys before where we didn't know how they were going to be coming into camp. I mean, Brandon Carlo is one hell of a story when he went into camp because he came in as probably the eight seed prospect defenseman, and then all of a sudden became a top four NHL defenseman. Yeah. So, yeah, left, I left, mean, left the WHL Tri-City and yeah. immediately was in, in the, I didn't see it. I thought it was going to at least play a, 
a one season in the American Hockey League, but no, right right in there and and got the job. Yeah, and he was so far down on people's list of the prospect pool. That yeah, exactly. I I saw the I think it was the first game that he played. Uh, rookie, uh, I think it was against New Jersey yep. in the prospects challenge that time, and I said, "Oh, he he looks pretty good defensively." And then next game, just as solid. The next game, just as solid. And I think the thing that got him to stay in the NHL is just his consistency. I mean, that guy's just crazily good. But he's one of them guys that you don't hear his name a lot because he does all the small stuff right. And he doesn't need to do anything flashy. So, yeah. Um, how about some season predictions as we wind down the show? What do you What do you think about the Bruins and what they did last summer, and how they did last season to what they did this summer? And your expectation expectations expectations. Oh my god! <laughs> on the upcoming year, um, from the trend that you've seen in the past couple seasons. Um. So let's start off by saying the Bruins lost a few guys to free agency. Um, they also gained a few guys. But you lost a guy like Riley Nash that filled so many gaps in that team last season. Uh, when Patrice Bergeron went down, he filled that role. When David Krejci went down, he filled there. Uh, I think he even played top-line right wing for uh... a couple of games. Yeah. From what I can remember, I think Passanak went down for a game or two. But um, yeah, I, the guys you've added, you've you've added John Moore. I, I'm I'm not going to lie, I am a big fan of that move. Uh, I think I'm the only fan of that move <laughs> from what uh, what got said to me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I think that's a great add. Holding eight defensemen when you've been choked in the playoffs twice by losing so many guys, I think that was a good move. Um, they made the second round last year. I'm, I'm going to say maybe the second round again. I, I don't see the they haven't added that extra thing to push them. I think they've kind of stayed put where they are and they're waiting for the rookies to shine. So I I think maybe first or second round, but at least they make the playoffs. And that's tough this season, really tough. Yeah, for me, I'm going to say they make the playoffs. I'm not going to predict where, uh, either the first round or the second round. I believe they're going to have a good season. And I understand that Tampa Bay and, and Toronto, they've got better. Um, even Florida. Even Florida looks like a, a small threat for the regular season. I'm not sure about the playoffs, but... You know the the Atlanta division has gotten better. Uh, you know Ottawa and and other teams I don't see so much from, but you know I, I think that they can come in third, maybe even push for second. Who knows? Um, but I uh, just I want to I want to I want this to be consistent. Like I didn't freak out when they when they went did not do anything last summer. I mean they brought in some guys to fill certain roles. They didn't. It wasn't a big like blockbuster addition and then they had a 112 point season which i i just i it blew my mind after after uh, entering november and then going to april the run that they did it was amazing and and you know so many valuable parts contributed to that role i mean it was a total team effort very appreciative of that 
But my thing is, is they pretty much didn't do, they did the same thing this summer. It's just brought in pieces. Nothing, they didn't gain any leverage. They just basically, they're even again. And I, I, and I want to see consistency. If I can see consistency, then it's going to be a good year and possibly a, a deeper run. But if they take a step back, I think this is the time that you, you said, okay, this, this might not be working. We might have to make additions if we can wait till to July 1st uh, free agency with a better class, as I mentioned earlier. Or, unfortunate, people have to be moved. Um, and I don't want to see them wait until the, the trade deadline, which I'm not sure exactly what it is. I'd rather see them figure it out in December and early January to get a player in, start creating some chemistry, and make that playoff run uh, a little better if, if, if they can. So my prediction is definitely make the playoffs. I'm not sure where they're going to go. I'm just going to say first round for right now. It's a step back a little bit, but it's not that bad. This is part of the process that, that Don Sweeney has preached so many years in the past that this is going to happen when, you're, when you're, you're seemingly rebuilding or retooling on the fly. And, and I, continue this, I continue to believe that this team is still doing that. So... Yeah, and like the thing with Sweeney is, I think once he gets, once he does something that is bad, like the David Backer signing, like trading your first round pick plus extras for Rick Nash, he seems to learn from that, and he doesn't do it again. Yeah, really. Yep. And I, I just don't see them making a big splash for an older guy in free agency. No, I no. Think if if they, they do, it would be a younger guy that's going to cost. Yeah, and I think it's probably a younger guy, and they try and get him extended before they get him. Right. Um, I just don't think he'll get burnt again. I think he's too clever to be doing something like that, especially a couple of seasons in a row. Uh, and he was devastated losing that first round pick. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, so he wanted to get it back. I mean, he was willing to trade. Uh, certain members to get that first round pick back before the draft. Yeah. So, I mean, it's unfortunate. I mean, if, for me, it's like a kid in the cookie jar. The kid's reaching in, and Jeremy Jacobs is, says, no. <laughs> yeah. You know? So, I mean, I, I believe he learned. I believe he's, he's, he's a good GM. I, I think that, you know, his trades have been a little skeptic, of course. You know, Zach Ronaldo is always going to be brought up. Uh, and and trades for like Lee Stepniak and so on, um, and and you know Jimmy Hayes blah blah blah. But I just think that the way he works with the youth and he knows that the scouting system and the player development role and getting these players in like like you know Jake DeBrusque was a huge reach at at at, at the um, at the fifteenth pick. Yeah, but you know? he's proved everyone wrong well, at the same the time. Fourteenth pick. Yeah. So yeah, and after you know his a successful West uh, Western Hockey League career, it comes into the AHL, plays one rookie season there, and then bam, has that explosive season last year with the NHL Bruins. I mean, y you see good things coming out of his decisions when it comes to drafting and and, and youth additions into this uh, into this core. So I just think it's just going to get better from here. Yeah. You know, whether whether you see it in the standings or not, I. I really like what they're doing, the inner business of the, of the, of the organization and how they're going to structure longevity. 
uh, in in years to come. And I'm you know I'm not a rah rah guy. I'm not like oh we got to win the Stanley Cup every year. I like I like to sit back and and view the organization from afar and just say okay look at these angles that these guys are putting all together and see how it works. Yeah, and I like to I like to think as not a, like I don't like to think as a Bruins fan when it comes to expectations. I like to think just as a hockey fan. Yeah. Like wh- like where would I think Winnipeg come? Like I want to think the same way about that as I do about the NHL Bruins because you get those rose tinted glasses on and you're like right they're going to win the cup they're going to do this they're going to do that and then you 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 just bummed out when they don't. So what's the point in that? Just give yourself an expectation of right I we didn't add anything. I expect to do the same as last season. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a long way to go. But what we didn't mention before as well, that the Bruins do so well, is they bring guys into the AHL level with previous NHL experience. And they've done that again this season because they brought in Cody, Cody Goldbluth, I think that's how you say it, uh, the defenseman. Oh, as a um, guy, Golubov, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it's Golubov. I think that's how you say it. I'm not hundred percent sure, but um, yeah, they brought him in as a defenseman. I mean, there's a guy that can probably step up if you end up blowing out three defensemen again, come playoff time. Like they just they have guys down there that could step up for five six games maybe. And then go back down. Yeah, that's oh, sure. the good thing about the Bruins. But when you look at other teams, I mean, you look at it from seasons past where one player goes down on a team, and they need to put someone in there, and you just see this like sixteen, seventeen, eighteen-year-old guy stood there <laughs> looking scrawny as anything, <laughs> and you're like, that guy's going to get killed. Yeah, Zach, um, i.e. Zach Hamill. Yeah. Well. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh. but um, yeah, I I just I don't want to expect too much. I think they'll make the playoffs. I hope they win the cup. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we've done about an hour, so uh, we'll uh, wrap it up right here. Uh, good yeah. show. Good show for the first of the of the season. I. I Kind of had my heart racing a little bit, the cold sweats because I felt like a rookie when I was preparing for everything. But no, it went by fast as usual, and and a wicked sight to be to be on weeklies from now on to the end of the year. Um, and I hope you all uh, continue to listen. Please uh, support the show by uh, going to Apple Podcasts and 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 just give us a, a five star rating if you if you like us. Um, and, and, and leave a nasty comment if you don't. I mean, we, we, really, we really love the five-star ratings, and, and we, you know, we love those comments because we think they're funny. And, uh, and please, um, you know, if you, if you have any, anything that you want from Fanatics, please use our website banner. Um, tons of great, great stuff throughout all the professional sports that you can go and buy, and it really helps us support this, uh, the, the website and the podcast. Uh, and also our new partnership with Primetime Sports Talk. Um, you know they do a great job over there covering the Patriots, the Red Sox, the the Bruins, and the um, and the Patriots, which are on today. So 
Uh, they're gonna have tons of fucking good. Uh, excuse my language. Wow, um, <laughs> tons of good uh, New England Patriots coverage over there. So check them out. And um, also, please, if you if you want to get uh, in on our listener rewards program, go to the patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and um, and and donate a dollar. I mean, help that helps us out too. We need to uh, you know try to cut our, co- our operating costs per per year, so that would help. And we, we're going to give back with. With uh, if you live out of the country, we'll send you a Fanatics gift card, and if you live within um, the United States, we'll we'll send out T-shirts and other stuff um, from Fanatics. So we're, we're trying to get a little more uh, revenue generated to help out, but we also want to give back too. So uh, it's basically a, a free investment for you, and we would certainly appreciate any help that we can get. Uh, before we leave, I just want to say thank you again to uh, Court. Uh, he had daddy duties today, so. Um, I want to, um, you know, I appreciate his effort uh, in joining us today, and I uh, look forward to talking to him uh, to continue through the season. Rob, same to you, brother. I'm I'm so happy to be back talking to you guys. I felt like it's been uh, like a year, you know. Yeah, it's been a long off season. I think one of the longest in a while. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, and please uh, stay tuned uh, for the second hour of our show. Uh, Josh Bemis, our prospect, uh, Bruins prospect co-host and uh, writer for the SinBin.net. He covers the American Hockey League Boston uh, Providence Bruins. Uh, he joins me for uh, about an hour discussion of uh, uh, prospect the prospect challenge in Buffalo, New York, where he was all weekend, and we talked about that. So uh, stay tuned and thanks again, and uh, we'll all see you next week. Passion, talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! Gets onto the skate of Nikki Petty and Jack Stanika, shorthanded breakaway, scores! Tucks it in underneath Cole Cece, and it's a 1-0 Oshawa lead. Now McLeod mishandles, and Donato tries to make a pay. Here's Donato. In deep, Ryan Donato curls and scores! A highlight reel goal for Ryan Donato! Goes to his left, in front, and that's Trent Frederick on the one-time redirect. Frederick with his fourth, and Team USA now up 8-2. to two. Hey guys, as mentioned in the first hour of our um, NHL Bruins talk with Court and, and, um, and Rob, uh, we have uh, coming back for another season and I'm really excited about his appearance for for this whole calendar year of this hockey season. So uh, we have Josh Bemis back. Uh, he writes for the Sinbin.net for the uh, AHL Bruins uh, content for them. And you, you can find him on Twitter at twocauseway.com. Josh, how are you doing, buddy? Good. How are you? How was your summer? It was good. It was, uh, it was relaxing. We didn't... We, we're just getting back to the show today after, like, I don't know how many months. Um, but it's been really good. I've uh, been doing the whole beers and Bruins things off and on just to keep the content going a little bit. But it's been very relaxing. How about yourself? 
Likewise. Um, my wife and I have been doing a lot of uh, summer league hockey. Um, we took a couple of trips down to the Foxborough Pro League now and then, hoping to catch him uh, Swayman because uh, allegedly he was playing for one of the teams, but never saw him. However, we did manage to bump into Ryan Donato more than a few times, and um, it was really cool because seeing him down there opened the door to really getting to talk to him here in Buffalo, which was awesome because immediately, you know, you're kind of in the media area, just kind of waiting for people to just milling about, and then all of a sudden you see Brian Donato come up to you, and he's like, hey, I've seen you before. What are you doing here? And from there, you just start talking. It's It was pretty awesome. So might it be a, kind of a quiet summer for me content-wise, but definitely laying the foundation for some work in the future, which was super cool. Also, a uh, new camera. So I've been taking some pretty awesome pics of uh, stuff that's been going on down here. I really wanted to kind of increase a lot of my uh, stock photos of, of the prospects and things to use for um, the future. So been working on my photography skills and otherwise yeah just kind of enjoying the new place in natick and yeah it's been a, honestly it's been a great summer and uh josh just mentioned that he is in buffalo right now and he is our black and gold hockey podcast correspondent for the prospect challenge which we're going to talk about right now um i'm just going to pull up my because i'm slacking here a little bit I am going to pull up my roster from Friday night's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which was a 4-2 to two, uh, win for the Bruins. Um, let's go, let's let's talk about the game itself without bringing up any players. Uh, how did you feel about what you saw uh, from your own eyes as you were uh, a media member at, at the Prospect Challenge? I honestly loved it. I mean, it seemed like... The Bruins had the Penguins on the ropes for about 50 minutes out of 60. So that's a pretty good showing from for a team who's, you know, not really exactly had all that much time to kind of practice and to get their timing down with each other. So for everybody to kind of get their touches correct and to get the puck moving in the way that they wanted it to. I mean, there were there was a point where the Bruins were up for nothing on the Penguins before they kind of gifted the Penguins a couple of goals in garbage time towards the end of the game. So I think everybody had kind of a good sense of where they needed to be on the ice and how they needed to function. There wasn't a lot of rust. There was a lot of good cohesion between people. I felt like there was no glaring mistakes that were made. Um, it felt like it was a good tune-up game for them where everybody got together. And like I said, they kind of learned where they needed to be on the ice and figured it out. And you could hear a lot of communication between the players. I mean, the play it's not usual that um, you're able to hear a lot of the communication on the ice, but for whatever reason, where we were sitting, you could just hear everybody on the ice talking, and I saw a lot of Bruins just kind of communicating well with each other, making sure that they knew where everybody else was, where the coverages were, and um, you had, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed by a Kyle, uh, not to, really dig into players too much but Kyle Keezer is like a air traffic controller out there just telling people where he wants them to go and so it was it was awesome it really was a good showing um I felt like that was an excellent game like I said good tune-up game for the Bruins all right let's start off with this roster right now um th now this is this is just the one that just came out before the game so uh, it's subject to change because I believe Jay Leach which is the head coach of the American Hockey League Providence Bruins uh, mixed up lines uh, from what I heard uh, and trying to get, like you said, cohesion with uh, line mates. So these were not all together throughout the whole game. 
I believe that they, like I said, they were mixed up. But let's start off with going um, on the first line of uh, Jakob Sporsbacher Carlson centering Ryan Fitzgerald on the left side and Ryan Donato on the right. It was good. Um, that started off like that. Fitzgerald is uh, proving that he's going to be probably pushing for a roster spot if uh, the injury bug bites again. Uh, I loved the way that he was battling and just kind of getting to loose pucks. He was a, he's a very he's the, he's the prototypical grinder. He just gets into all the dirty areas and he makes life hell for the other teams. So, and then you had on the right side you had Ryan Donato, the finisher, who. I mean, that guy can finesse a puck with the best of them. He's already kind of the an, an NHL talent. So this game, I believe the prospect tournament for him is just more about getting more time on the ice, just kind of getting more familiar with um, where his role will be and just getting more experience. So I also loved uh, JFK, uh, Forsbacher Carlson. I loved that he's kind of getting that, He's uh, taking more responsibility, it seems, and he's really good at the dot, which was a pleasant surprise because you need a 3C for the Bruins, but you also need a responsible 3C. It seems like his defensive game is just much improved since, say, last year at this time. Uh Yeah, I, 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 unfortunately, there was no stream for me to watch. So I'm basically going on what you have to say. I will be able to get more involved in the in the game versus Buffalo last night. But um, uh, moving down to the second line, uh, Trent Frederick centering um, Cameron Hughes and Zach Senishin. That to me was a kind of a, a, an interesting line because Trent Frederick and Cameron Hughes have played together uh, last season at the University of Wisconsin. And then they both transferred over after the seasons were over to the uh, American Hockey League Providence Bruins. Tell me about the second line there. It was great. Uh, in fact, Trent Frederick was mentioning to me how he, the transition to the uh, AHL was actually made easier by the fact that he had Cam Hughes alongside him and that they had uh, both played at, uh, you know, in, in the uh, NCAA together. So while Trent Frederick didn't exactly have his best game on uh, against the Penguins, he uh, Cameron Hughes did. It seemed like Cameron Hughes really was uh, very active and getting to loose pucks, kind of a dangerous threat in the offensive zone for them. So, you know, two-thirds of that line were functioning well. I feel like Sanishin was really using his speed to kind of harass opponents and to uh, create passing lanes for himself and for his teammates and kind of causing havoc just by being out and about, you know, where the Penguins really couldn't catch him. So, you know, Trent Frederick might not have had his best game, but I really feel like that line was effective in its own way by maybe not so much. I mean, there was a goal scored by Hughes, but maybe not so much the line directly contributing offense, but they kind of, they almost generated it by just being out there and kind of, like I said, harassing opponents. Yeah. And, that's good. That's good insight, Josh. I appreciate that. Because um, I'm a huge Trent Frederick fan, and I did watch last night's game um, on this on the stream that was supplied by the Buffalo Sabers, and I, I thought he played quite uh, quite much well. better. Yeah. Much better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but this the, the next the third line is very interesting for me on this on the uh, the roster that came out on Friday night, and for somebody that is so hyped up about that third line position on the NHL roster. Uh, Jack Stanika centering Jakob uh, Lauko and uh, Carlson Kuhlman. 
uh, was very interesting because I would think that you put Jack Stanika on the first line, uh, but your your thoughts on that line and maybe your thoughts on that positioning. Honestly, they were they were a three like a third line in name only. They were definitely rolled out more than the second line, especially as you saw Trent Frederick kind of get taken advantage of a little bit. You'd see the uh, three the number three line being actually used like a number two line. So. I think that was a in-name only third line. But um, honestly, extremely effective. Siddiqui is an effective pivot. He does all the right things in terms of his defense game, his balance with his offensive game. And, I mean, you saw that beautiful outside-in move that he made. And, I mean, they they were definitely used more like a number two line. In fact, sometimes, I think it was more of like, you know, if you go down the, the roster for the night, you kind of have line one, line two, line three. I think we really had, like, line 1A, line 1B, line three, and then line four. And then rounding it off, segue right into that round, uh, line four that you mentioned. Uh, you and a companion, uh, centering left wing Cedric Pare and right wing camp invite Brett McKenzie. What did you think of that one? I don't like to say negative things about people too much, but um, Cedric's really got to watch the puck a lot more. He's got to he's got to get his timing better because uh, there was, you know, my my uh, colleague that was coming along with me this week uh, weekend. We both noticed it right away that he just could not catch a pass to save his life. I mean, you'd watch him in this in the neutral zone try to take an outlet pass, and it would go flying off his stick or flying by him it's just he's not he's got to work on his positioning and he's got to work on it really soon because the game's going to go flying right by him and it did several times so it was nice that you know he got out there it was nice that Coppin got out there and the uh you had the camp invite but that was truly a fourth line and there was it was um a little brutal to watch at times nothing spectacular i understand yeah. <laughs> Again, I try to limit my um, criticism of people, but that was that was not good. Yeah, I uh, I'm a I'm a Pare fan, and uh, I I see what you I see what you're saying because I did actually see that a lot. What you mentioned at development camp, which we both attended as media members, and yep. um, and I, I yeah, I saw that in camp. Maybe it's just. I don't know. Maybe stuff like this just isn't where he's pushed the most. And where I find he's pushed the most is actual game time. Because uh, if you have the opportunity to watch his game, um, when he played in St. John's last year and the year before that, I found that his game was a lot more effective, uh, especially coming from a bottom six role. And then when Joe Valeno was traded uh, to Drummondville, um, uh, Pare's role went up to the first line, and it got he got more um, uh, more exposure and more trust from uh, head coach at the time of St. John's, which is Josh uh, Josh Dixon, I believe. And uh, so, uh, th- these might be things that don't get, get him up, which is not good to say, because uh, you want to be that f- the complete athlete. You know what I mean? No matter what situation it is, whether you're in the gym, you do you work your best and your hardest. Uh, to a camp, uh, a development camp, you want to work hard because the Bruins brass is still watching no matter what. And then in game game action, you want to bring it all. So you want to be a complete player no matter what. Um, so Quick little segue. Ooh. What's that? 
Oh, nothing. I was just going to say a quick little segue. I mean, it was kind of funny. Last night, we were literally sitting on the opposite. There's a there's like a, a, a column right next to where I was sitting last night. And right on the other side of that column, the entirety of the Bruins brass. So the fan in me was going wild and the professional in me was like, keep it, keep, you know, keep it together, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, jumping down to the defense pairings. Uh, this, this is one that I, I really found interesting. And I know one person that you weren't very high on, but uh, the first defense pairing was Euro Vekaninen and Daniel Bukash. Uh, oh. your, your thoughts? Urho was looking great, honestly. Um, I was talking to Jay Leach, and he and he agreed that as the game progressed, and especially as we get into talking about uh, the game last night about Buffalo, it seemed like as the game progressed, he just got a lot more confidence. He was adapting extremely well to the uh, you know the North American ice. Um, he kind of had the sense of where to where to direct the puck, how to where exactly to go with the puck, where to skate it, where to pass it. Um, on the opposite end of the spectrum, we had Daniel Bukach, who decided that he was going to be a lumberjack and hack everybody to death constantly. And finally, he got caught for it. I'm surprised that he didn't get caught for it sooner than that. But he was just taking too many dumb hits away from the play. And I'm not even talking about separating skater from puck. I'm talking about just guys on the opposite end of the rink. He'd just be whacking and hacking at. So he's, he's got to learn to really just control himself a little bit better and i suppose that comes with you know a kind of a young man's game that it's something you got to work out of it but yeah i mean it was like a almost a night and day difference but to his credit the offense did kind of run through bucatch and he was credited with a, an assist on one of the goals so there was uh negatives but there was a little bit of positives to take away from him as well and one of my favorite defensive pairings uh of the night was uh, the second pairing of Jeremy Lawson and Jakub Zboril. Uh Your thoughts? Good. Um, I like to say about defensemen, if you're not talking about them, that means they're probably doing a good job. So I don't have much to say about them other than Zboril got an assist, so the offense was flowing through him a bit. And, you know, if I'm, I, I don't have much to say, and I think that's a good thing. Uh, I, I want to talk about Zboro a little bit because it just seemed sure. like uh, talking to Jay Leach at uh, rookie camp on Thursday um, that and and he was a um, if I'm not mistaken he was a uh, a development camp graduate and did not uh, was not at development camp. Am I correct on saying that? Both of them were. Uh, Jeremy Lauzon and Jakob Zboro were not at development camp. So okay. yes, they are now considered graduates. Okay, so here's my thing. Um, Word word through Jakub uh, Zboro was he came into camp um, last Thursday or last Wednesday when they, they all reported a uh, twelve pounds underweight, and that is that to me. Jay Leach um, did mention in the in the main conference room uh, after the event on Thursday that that was kind of a an area that needed to be addressed, um, and I believe that if he came into uh, development camp and and wasn't that graduate air quotes um, that they would have identified that then and he would have been able to have time to gain that weight that he needed to get back on track. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe he's taking a step back when he's going twelve pounds under. Um, it all depends on what goes on with the training staff and and, and his nutritionist uh, team nutritionist. So 
it's kind of a thing. I mean, I'm not expecting him to make the NHL roster this year, but even at a pro level in the American Hockey League, he's still got to sustain the strength and mobility that he has. And, 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 and to me, in a defenseman, especially a developing defenseman, you don't want to drop weight. That just doesn't make any sense to me. I'm wondering, though, <clears throat> he's kind of following the trend of the league and not so much being you know, big, bulky, and stocky, but more being limber and slightly light on his feet. So just playing devil's advocate, maybe he's, you know, if you've watched the, if you've seen um, Zidane Chara's training regime at all, I mean. Oh, that's crazy. He's more, yeah, he's more about flexibility and not exact. I mean, he's also got a ton of strength. Let's not, you know, let's not ignore that because he's 6'9 and a freaking behemoth, but maybe it's just the trend of the league i'm not sure if that's what zaborla was going for but you're right you know it could be a, it could be a bad thing for a kid who's trying to really make it in the professional environment that he does need to bulk up a bit or he needs to just get a little stronger on the puck yeah no valid points that nice good angle to bring in on the on the uh on the conversation josh um and the third pairing uh uh, big big man Wiley Sherman on the left and 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 newcomer Axel Anderson on the right. Uh, how about your thoughts on that pairing? I could probably take the rest of this entire podcast and talk about Axel Anderson. I love his game. I love his skating. Um, he got a little embarrassed last night, but we'll get to that. I think he's gonna be like he's not exactly the tallest guy out there. But I think he's going to be an incredibly good puck-moving defenseman in the near future. And he's a right shot, which is huge. You need right shot defensemen, especially in this league. So it was great to see him out there. Uh, Wiley Sherman got a goal. so Yeah, blast was from the point. <laughs> absolute rocket. I mean, you could hear the echo from the puck hitting the net all throughout the rink. And that's saying something. So... It was, yeah, it was a good time. It was a really good time to watch the two of them. You know, nothing really flashy aside from that goal, but they were they were an okay pair. Another one of those, I'm not talking about them, so it's probably a good thing. Right. Yeah. I mean, if they if they suffocated Pittsburgh for 50 minutes, I think most of the defense pairings did a good job. I think it's absolutely crazy that Wiley Sherman is 6'7", 230 pounds. <laughs> yeah. He's an interesting I mean, I thought yeah. I thought Chower was was nasty tall, but this guy is like, you know. I, I mean, who knows? I mean, I just don't see. I, I, with the development depth that we have right now on defense, I just think that he's he's going to spend his uh, the rest of his entry level deal with the AHL Bruins. But there could be an opportunity for him to come up. You know, I mean, like you said, we don't the, the NHL is trending to the other way of of the big bad you know the big bad defenseman and you know you have to get the biggest dude out there to to shut down the top line uh that's not that's not the trend much anymore or or it's going to be the new trend as you see with players like tory krugs and the grizzlicks of the world that are uh, making impacts on the league um but i mean who knows i mean did he seem like a nice guy when you interviewed him Oh, fantastic. He was another guy that um, actually recognized me from the Foxborough Pro League. So it was uh, good to kind of have that pre-foundation all set up so that we could just have a more of a conversation rather than just a straight-up interview. That's awesome. And finally, the goaltending on Friday nights. Uh, Kyle Kieser got the start, and um, I'm a big Kieser fan, um, but... 
I mean, I know we talked about this uh, uh, last season um, when we uh, did our prospect talks uh, on the podcast, and um, you know he's he did have two concussions uh, last season when he got trucked. So, I mean, the, the other opponents were crashing that hard on him, and he unfortunately got his bell rung twice in the same year. Um, do you think that I mean he's he's stepping up? Uh, uh, higher in this game, his progression, and uh, do, do, do you think that the, those concussions are, are, are something that uh, need to be addressed? Um, it bears watching to honest to obviously watch his um, his health, but I think he's really been stepping up. I think in that game against Pittsburgh, I kind of saw the teaser that you know Don Sweeney signed last year. I felt like he. He really stepped up to the challenge. A lot of the problems that I was seeing from development camp that I was that were kind of nervous and that made me think, you know, maybe what are we doing here exactly? I feel like that Pittsburgh, he cleaned up all of those. You know, his rebound control was good. His glove hand was amazing. There's a couple of saves out there that he made that you watched and you think, boy, how did he get that? He's a uh, he's. I like it. I again, I I think uh, my opinion on. He's been changed. I was kind of low on him, say, going out of uh, prospect, you know, development camp. But after that game, I think I'm back on the Keezer train. I'm kind of excited to see where he goes as long as his health is maintained. Because, I mean, that's going to be our primary concern is how is the health of the player. And uh, the scratches for uh, Friday night's game were defenseman Emilio Hansen, defenseman Connor Clifton, uh, goaltender Dawson Weatherhill. Um, don't know if this guy's a forward or defenseman. Merrick Valash, uh, defenseman Oliver Galpio, and don't know who this guy plays for or what position. John Ludwig. Uh, Oscar Steen was a scratch, which surprised me. And uh, Justin Bergeron, I don't know. No relation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, Carson Falk, I don't know who he is or what position he plays, but those guys were all uh, healthy scratches for the evening. Jump into Saturday night's game. Let me just pull up the the uh, the roster. Um, uh, a, a big difference. I think Jay Leach was really shuffling these lines up as you can, you know, as we go down. You could tell which player rose up a little bit. Um, let's start off on the first line. Uh, by the way, this game was a three to one victory over the Buffalo Sabers, and this one was streamed, and I was able to watch. So pretty pumped about that. Yakov's boys, Baka Carlson, back on the top line, but this time with with two different wingers uh, on the left side. He had Ryan Fitzgerald, and on the right he had Carson Coleman. Tell me about that line. Um, looks like Ryan Fitzgerald stayed on the top line from, um, the game on against Pittsburgh, but they did switch out, uh, Carlson Kuhlman. And I thought that was a great move because Kuhlman's been one of those under the radar guys who, if you watch him, you kind of, you, you understand why the Bruins picked him up. He's a very good role player. He does all the right things extremely well. He's unselfish. He plays a very team oriented game. Um, <clears throat> last night he had some very opportunistic goals. I mean, he sealed the deal again with the empty netter, but he also helped, um, kind of put, put the Bruins ahead. Um, you know, 
to two to one. So we got the last two goals. I just it was a it was a good game for him, and uh, he definitely earned that spot on the top line. Fitzgerald and Forsbacker Carlson. We've already talked about them. Their pairing together was great. Um, I don't have any problems with the top line. I would have liked to have seen the offense run a bit through uh, Forsbacker Carlson a bit more, but it is what it is. And hopefully uh, against the Devils, there'll be more offense from him, and uh, we'll it'll remain to be seen what we see from him going forward. But the decision to move Kuhlman up was good. I would have liked to have seen Donato get a little bit more time with that line. I feel like they had some really good chemistry kind of in the game against the Penguins, but Coleman kind of earned his time up there on the top line, and I think he really uh, played up to kind of that role that he was put into. And the second line, Jack Stanika goes from the third to the second, and he centered Jakob Loco, who was uh, what I saw last night was an absolute speed demon. And on the left side and on the right side, Ryan Donato. So tell me about that line and Jack's uh, uh, role on the second. I think uh, I can sum up my thoughts and Jakob Lauko kind of with that tweet that I did. Uh, maybe it's either last night or the night before, but, you know, Jakob Lauko is fast. Water is wet and Bobby Orr is a deity. So I really like that he's got the speed. He's He's got an edge to him, too. If you watched last night, he was really putting his nose into some of those scrums around the net. So it was good to see him getting up and getting down the ice so quickly. I think there was a moment last night where he raced back to uh, break up a, the possible scoring chance, and he did it with so. He did it with a great defensive awareness, which was nice to see, you know, uh, talking about a young man's game where they need to develop the uh, defense as well as the offense. So it was good to see him play kind of a two-way game there. But, uh, yeah, he's oh, he's blisteringly fast and pretty humble kid, too, which is nice. He has a, he has a good way. Of, he has a good time talking to you after the fact. But um, I'm surprised that uh, Studnika was held off the score sheet last night. It seemed like... You know, you moved him up to what would be the uh, second line, air quotes. But he kind of went silent for maybe Buffalo was really trying to target him and kind of keep him away from the score sheet. But him and Donato both actually didn't seem to really factor into the offense all that much. But, uh, I mean, that's what's going to happen. I think Buffalo was really trying to mitigate the two of them because, I mean, they put their best defenseman, Rasmus Dahlien, on, I'm going air quotes again, but the third pairing. So I think they had, they're really trying to mitigate some of the, the middle six guys of the Boston Bruins with that, you know, putting him a little bit lower down on the uh, on the defense chart. But I really would have liked to have seen Stadnik and Ryan Donato kind of overcome that a little bit more given their pedigree, given their history. So, uh, I mean, not bad. You know, it's not one of those things that I'm talking negatively about them, just surprised that they were as quiet as they were. Uh, and jumping to the third line, it seems like Jay Leach really likes this trio of Cameron, of uh, Trent Frederick centering Cameron Hughes and Zach Senishin. Tell me about that more. And they definitely earned their, their you know, I, I can see why they, where they're being kept together because – there was times when he was using that Frederick line as kind of a top line almost. It seemed like it was, that was the uh, 1A and 1B with um, JFK and you know Fitzgerald and Carson Kuhlman. It seemed like uh, the Frederick and Forsbacker Carlson were just kind of 1A, 1B. 
So they play together extremely well. They make up for their, each other's deficiencies. It seemed like last night, you know, there was one point where uh, Zach Seneshin was forechecking on Rasmus Dahlien, and he blew the coverage really bad just because Dahlien is just that much of a good player. It, was no, it wasn't a knock on Seneshin. In fact, Jay Leach actually mentioned he, he was coming back to the bench and he said, I tried, and Jay Leach says, yeah, I know, that's fine, don't worry about it. So I think, that, but where I was going with that, that if Session was going all alone on that kind of a heavy forecheck on that one player that they needed to get back, and I felt like the defensive structure worked out really well where they kind of communicated this and they knew what to do and they just did their jobs extremely well. It's kind of a like a New England Patriots mentality where it's, you know, do your job, and I think that's kind of the do-your-job line. And uh, I'm not I, – I, I don't know if I really want to dive into this full yeah. line. This is this, – <laughs> These are all these are all camp invites, and I'm not really and you know they're not Bruins prospects at all, so I'm not even going to bother with them. Uh, but let's go to the defensive uh, pairings. Uh, on this second game, this this really really came out to me as a very positive and and something that could be seen in Providence this this uh, common season in the 2018-19 campaign. Um, but Jakob Borrell on the top pairing with Axel Anderson. And what I saw last night was a lot of creativity, a lot of good um, uh, uh, zone uh, entries. Uh, you know, your, your neutral zone entries were good when they were dishing the puck off. I thought they were ready. They read each other's uh, play very well. And uh, like I said, the communication was good uh, from what I saw. Uh, your thoughts on that top pairing? And I like that um, if you look, uh, they were used on the power play, the exact same pairing. And you're right, the creativity was what allowed the power play to be a bit more active than they were in Pittsburgh against Pittsburgh. I mean, the problem was they didn't get a lot of a lot of zone time. But when they did have zone time, they were really being creative with their passes and the passing lanes that they were opening up and finding each other and everybody kind of knew where they were supposed to be. It was it was a pretty good picture. It was really nice to see everybody clicking on kind of the same page. It would just would have been nice to see maybe a goal or two come from it. But you're right. The creativity was there. And you were and definitely that's something we could see in Providence. If not this pairing, maybe the next pairing. Yeah, so and, take and, that away. And the next, and the next pairing was uh, Euro Vekanainen and Connor Clifton, um, which is, like you said, another one that could possibly be an- another great pairing in Providence. Uh, and i I thought I thought Connor played really well. There's a couple times last 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 night that he got himself in a little trouble, but kind of worked his way out of it nicely. I, I still think the guy, the kid, is a solid player. Um, he signed a two-year deal, I believe, at the end of last season, and uh, and and is going to be a um, a real big player for this Providence team next next year. Uh, tell me about that pairing. Um, I loved seeing Erho Vakanainen last night. He was, um, he really had. Uh, he, remember how I was saying he had that kind of confidence-building game in uh, against Pittsburgh. It seemed like he took that to the next level last night and it was kind of one of the mitigating factors on the Dalian fact on you know the the presence of Rasmus Dalian and Connor Clifton you're right he definitely did have a couple of moments 
you, you kind of held your breath, but he told me after the game, you know, he was really working the rust off and it was good to get back in the game and kind of figure out his own timing. So he admitted he had some rusty moments, but um, I think that was a great pairing and I lo- would really love to see that in Providence in this coming season because because they, they knew where they, again, they had that kind of mental connection, that kind of cerebral, we know where each other is going to be on the ice at any given time, so we don't have to worry about that as much. You know, we're not kind of scrambling, looking around for each other. The It was good. It was nice to see, uh, you know, one of the big problems in Providence was that we have um, a lot of left-shot defensemen, so it was good to have two top lines or two defense pairings, I should say, where you have a left-handed defenseman and a right-handed defenseman and that it worked out extremely well for, like you were saying, zone entries and just making sure that the puck stayed on the stick on the right side or the left side. And it was, it was good. I really like this pairing. I'd love to see them do more in the future. And I really would love to see that be a more consistent thing in Providence. And finally, on the defense pairings, uh, Emil Hansen on the left side and uh, Jeremy Lauzon on the right. Um, your thoughts on that? See, this was kind of the meh pairing for me. I, You know, where I would glowingly talk about the two before this, I feel like Johansson and Lauzon, they weren't all that impressive. They were, they were there. They were skating, but that's about it. I, I I hate to say it, Mark. Yeah, it's, it's just I don't have anything negative to say, but it's you know I I don't even have really anything positive to say. Like I said, they were there and they were on skates and then they were playing hockey. So there was just a defensive pairing that really couldn't get any creativity or any balance together, right? Right. Yeah. Exactly. I, I guess that's really what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to formulate words, but right. So it <laughs> yep, just, just it just seems like bo- it seems like both of them have their their preferred player to that that they really excel at and then kind of uh, step down their game a little bit to be more cautious when they are uh, paired with a a defenseman that they normally don't play with would you say that that would be kind of accurate yeah definitely that's a very good way to phrase that like a like a kind of a dumbed down game and not to say dumb in the sense that uh they're not smart it's more of just maybe a safe cautious game Right. And, Especially when you're facing Darlene, my goodness. Oh yeah, yeah. And and trust me, I watched I watched a lot of uh when he had the puck. Uh very fluid skater, uh great 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 hands, uh puck possession, uh and he just it really like seems like that kid has no it just skates with no effort. Yep. Um jumping to the goaltenders is is my boy Dan Vladag at the start last night, made thirty eight saves in the three to one win. And I thought he looked looked really sharp. What did you see? Absolutely. He stopped, you know, low danger shots. He stopped high danger shots. He stopped a bunch of breakaways. My goodness. There was a couple there where the Buffalo Sabres, Tage Thompson was just skating in all alone. Or there was the uh, Buffalo Sabres hit a guy coming out of the penalty box and he skates in all alone. And you kind of held your breath as Vladar kind of stood in net and was tracking the puck and tracking the puck and save because he has just that, his positioning's that good. And I'm almost worried that when Vladar makes his appearance as more of a regular and say up in Boston or with the P-Ruins that people are going to give him the, um, 
the Tuca treatment almost because his positioning is so good that he makes it look effortless and he doesn't need to make the big flashy save because he's there and he's in position and he's playing his position well. So I'm, I'm almost wondering if everybody who's getting excited about him is going to be giving him the Tuca treatment in the future. Uh, and, and speaking of Dan Vladar, before I get to the healthy scratches, um, there was a, a Twitter conversation that I, I was trying to get in on with you and uh, blackandgoldhockey.com writer uh, Jen Stasio-Kum, who also was the uh, correspondent for us out in Buffalo uh, this weekend. Um, you said that you're not sure if Vladar is going to be with the Providence Bruins the upcoming season. I'm curious why. Oh, actually, honestly, Mark, I think Jen hit the nail on the head, and I want to really credit her with this. I think I just misunderstand what um, Jay Leach was trying to say because he was saying something to the effect of he's not exactly sure. You know, everybody was saying, you know, is Vladar going to be the guy in Providence this year? And he said he wasn't sure who exactly would be taking the reins. And I think the thrust of the conversation was more that he doesn't know if McIntyre is going to get more starts or if Vladar is going to get more starts, say. So is it going to be a 1-2 situation or is it going to be a 1-A, 1-B situation? And I think that's what Jay Leach was trying to get at. I just misinterpreted it. Oh, I understand. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and, and to go back, the narrative of, of, of starting goaltender in the American Hockey League really bothers me. It, it, there really is no starting goaltender. You, are, you know what I mean? And, and this is not just from you in our conversation, but this comes from everybody that I talk to. You know, um, I don't consider um, um, the American Hockey League these days. Now, back in, back in the, a while ago in the American Hockey League, yes, you would find one goaltender getting more starts. But now they're using that backup role as a development tool, too. So when you, when you split a 76-game season and you go 32, 32, 33, 33, whatever – I really don't see a starting, uh, you know, a starter there when you when you're within plus or minus ten games. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, McIntyre might get ten more starts, but you know what I'm saying. You, you really right. can't have a starter when you operate on a three day weekend schedule. It's impossible. You cannot have McIntyre start all three games. No, oh, absolutely. So it it does break it down to say that you know it, it, they pretty much split the season like i said if it's if it's plus or minus 10 games it's pretty equal to me if you're if you're 30 games above your your backup goaltender then you can label that as a starter that's just my opinion you know what i mean yeah, definitely. Yeah. Again, I think it was just me misinterpreting what Jay Leach was saying. I might have come into the uh the wrong part of that he came conversation in hot. and then <laughs> Yep. Speed <laughs> when hot takes everywhere. Exactly. No, no, and I understand what you're saying. You know, and and I, I, and in my opinion, when you talk about when you talk about McIntyre, McIntyre is on his last deal of his of his two year extension that he got uh, on his two way deal, and I don't believe he's going to be in in Boston, and I don't believe he's going to be in the Boston organization after this next season. So. I kind of want to say that you give the a little more of the of the games and not as much as the, the you know the air quote starter role, but I think you would want to go with a prospect like like Vidar and give him the time needed, uh, because there's a lot of people that uh, think that within three maybe four years that Vidar could be the next uh, guy that comes in to take over for Tuka Rask. Mm-hmm. So, you know. It, it, it's going to be interesting on how Jay Leach does that. I, I, I wanted to ask this question, but um, the 
Travis, the PR guy, on um, when we were in the uh, the media room at TD, I mean, at the Warrior Ice Arena on Thursday. I was just about to splurt out Jay and ask him a question, and, and Travis was like, last question. And and I believe uh, Emily Benjamin of the NHL.com uh, got that one before I could sneak it out, so I was kind of disappointed. I didn't get to ask him a certain question about Dan Vladar and his game and his his uh, his his character and the way he is in the locker room because uh, when we were when we were at development camp, Jay, Jamie Langenbrunner, uh, the uh, player development coach, was absolutely raving about him and 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 how he just believes that the kid doesn't have a bad day in his life and he's so bright and he's so open with his teammates in the locker room, which which is weird because I'm a goaltender and goaltenders are all freaking whack jobs you know what i mean and he just seems like vladar seems like the kind of goaltender that you don't see on a normal basis which means he probably could be a very successful one in the future absolutely yeah i'm really excited to see i don't think he's going to go down to atlanta this year i mean i don't, I don't think I don't, I don't think so either yeah not, not, I, not with I, the I, way not with the way he's played when he's been called up i mean the guy's oh, got yeah. a six and two record he's got a decent goals against average and even better save percentage and Vladar just seems like he really wants to play better when, when he plays with a better structured uh, team in front of him. You know, I mean, the Atlantic Gladiators was a good start for him. He got a lot of shots and a lot of time down there, which is which is so good for him in, in, in his development. But it, it, when he jumps up to that next league, you know, in a short, in a small sample size, granted. But I think that when you give him 30, 35, 36 starts, uh, this upcoming season, you're going to see something special out of him. So, um, just to uh, jump in real quick to the scratches, uh, Una Companion uh, was scratched, uh, Daniel Bukash, Kyle Kieser, uh, Oscar Steen, the second game in a row, he was scratched. Oliver Galpino, uh, second game was scratched. Uh, Brett McKenzie, Cedric Pare, Wiley Sherman. And Justin Bergeron. Any word on why Oscar Steen did not get in any action uh, within the uh, last two days? I hate to say it, but I didn't get a chance to ask. I think today after uh, practice, I'm going to ask uh, Jay Leach about that. So I'll have to get back to you on that. Maybe you can, um, I don't know, retweet what I uh, what I got from him. But I really wish I had asked that last night. So uh, shame on me for not. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I'm very curious because you're right. That's uh, two nights in a row. In fact, I caught, I saw him in the hallway, and I, you know, meant to say, uh, "Hey, how you doing? You know, how's things going for you and all that?" But you know, I just didn't get the chance. So um, be well, listening later on today for that. We'll try to get something out about the status of uh, Oscar. The, the one thing that is surprising to me about Oscar Steen is if he's injured and he's still with the team, then why didn't Anders Bjork make the trip? Right. Exactly. So, so yeah, I'm, I'm wondering maybe. I, I don't even know honestly Mark I'm 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 at a loss because he's not a bad per he's he played really well at the development camp so yeah he he, he should get his time but I'm not Jay Leach exactly um one one last thing I want to discuss before we let you go Josh and and I want to thank you so much as as my co-host on the second hour uh, prospect talk of our Black and Gold Hockey podcast we we really kicked it off really well today. And we started the 2018-19 season off on the right foot, so I'm pumped to like get. I'm I'm ready for next week to talk to you already. Definitely, 
Yeah, I mean, the only pro- uh, unfortunately, next week I'll, I'll be back home. It was really cool because uh, I don't think we've ever done a show where you know we haven't been at our you like our our like our homes basically. Like yeah. usually we kind of do this from you know respective living rooms or whatever. But yeah, we we've never had I don't believe ever had any correspondence out doing uh, stuff uh, that you know that we work closely with. So this is a first for us, and I'm I'm super stoked for the opportunity that you had, and and also. Our show benefits from it because we're just giving knowledge to the folks that want to learn more about these kids and, and where they are in their in their uh, development. So it's 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 really good that we have our NHL program, our NHL Bruins program in the first hour, and we talk prospects in the second hour. Definitely. But, but speaking of prospects, we have I, I, I we both know the news, and we're both I'm sure very excited about it. But newleon.com is officially gone from the American Hockey League official website. And, and don't I, let the door hit it on the exactly, way out. Exactly. Go on, get. Since 2008, since 2008, the shaddy, the crappy feed is over. The Providence Bruins have a brand new Jumbotron being installed, if not already installed. And the AHL now has a high-definition uh, platform, which is amazing. It's ama- I read into this. It's absolutely amazing. So w- what's happening now is it's called AHL TV. Now, me and J- Josh and I subscribe to this. We have for a couple of years now. And it's $150 to watch one team. So I watch the Providence Bruins. Josh watches the Providence Bruins, the home and away game. That's $150. If you want to get the whole league, it's over $300 home and away games so that's kind of a pricey thing to do if you're an american hockey league fan ahl tv brings it down and, and also i'm sorry uh the new leon was charging seven dollars and 99 cents to watch per game per game ahl tv per game is now 6.99 so you drop a dollar big deal right right the big savings is in the year subscription if you want to get all 31 american hockey league teams home and away it's $79. That is crazy. Absolutely crazy. And if you want to get one team home and away, it's $59. And then it goes down to another another tier, which I believe is $29. But whatever. This gives an opportunity for Boston Bruins fans a chance to see these kids now. There's no excuses of, I don't want to pay the high price. There's no more excuses of, the video sucks. There's no more excuses of, I don't have time. If you don't make time to watch the prospects, please do not comment. Don't look at the stat sheet. Don't look at Zach Senishin and say he didn't get 50 points. He's a crappy player. This is your chance to do it. So go to the AmericanHockeyLeague.com official website. Check it out. See if it, a package fits for you. And definitely order it and, and, and gain that knowledge that you, that you all need. And, uh, you know, it, it's just a great thing. And I really hope that the uh, Western Hockey League the Ontario Hockey League and the Quebec uh, Major Junior Hockey League all follow suit because I'm tired of spending a little under a thousand dollars for all these streams per season. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I, I, I want to jump out my window sometimes myself. <laughs> but if I can yeah. knock it down from a little, I mean, a little less than a thousand dollars down to maybe a little under three hundred, very happy with that. So yeah, definitely. That is awesome news, um, and and I'm sure you're pumped about that. 
yeah, it's uh, not burning as much of a hole in my pocket either. So exactly. yeah, it's it's really good. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and wife get, of salmon must be happy about that too, yeah. right? Definitely. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> before it was because we were saving up for a uh, you know marriage, honeymoon, and all that jazz. So now. I mean, now that we're married, it's more like, well, it's not as big of a deal, but it's still huge savings. I mean, you just look at that price tag and you think, oh, my goodness, I got hosting fees and I've got to get my AHL feeds. Like, yeah. what am I going to do? Like, this is I got to take it. It's like a it's like a car payment. It's like a small mortgage. It's exactly. crazy. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it's fantastic that they knocked it down. And for everybody out there. You can even just watch all the home games for like thirty bucks. Thirty bucks for the whole year. That's like thirty-six games. That's so doable. That's so doable. That's the price of one in-person Providence Bruins ticket. Yep. You can do this. Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of wife of salmon, uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that I really appreciate what you and your wife have done uh, this weekend uh, out in Buffalo. The the streams. The the Twitter uh, content that was just nonstop and it was really good. So as a, as a friend and a fan of, uh, of your work, um, I want to say thank you uh, for, for that and bring in the, uh, the, the news that I need for somebody that couldn't watch from back home. So I was a little bit jealous, of course, but <laughs> regardless, it, it was a solid job for me both. Yep. Um, and, and again, it just keep up the amazing work. Um, uh, and I look forward to you talking to you every every week now. Yeah, likewise. Uh, it was it was a really good time. Um, big shout out to uh, my the the best the world's best executive assistant who uh, filled social media roles, who filled uh, runs to uh, Tim Hortons, who did just about everything that we needed to do. I mean, she held the microphone for a bunch of times. So yeah, it was. I really can't thank her enough for all the work that she did. She actually did all the um, she had, she did all the, the camera work when we were streaming that one game that wasn't you know covered by the the video crews here in Buffalo. So I mean, there was just a lot of roles that I don't think I would have been able to fill by myself. I mean, I couldn't I can't tweet with one hand and you know hold the camera with the other. So having an extra set of hands and a just an extra person to help out with things was a huge benefit to me. And honestly, it was a great experience here in Buffalo. Um, not exactly the world's best tourist destination, but uh, the hockey was more than made up for it. So awesome. it had a great time. And yeah, I'm, I'm sad to say that we're leaving today. Uh, we're going to catch practice. Like I said, going to go talk to Jay Leach a bit more before we head home. And that'll be it for us from uh, Buffalo. So yeah, be listening for a few more updates from me. And, uh, yeah, Mark, I'm really looking forward to this season. It's going to be a real good one because we got a lot of talent coming through the pipeline. Absolutely. And, uh, yes, I, I, once again, thank you very much. Uh, safe travels to you both on the ride home. Um, and I, I'm definitely going to be in Buffalo next year for the fifth annual tournament. So I'm definitely making plans. No excuses. I will be there. I am not going to miss this. So, uh, Josh, uh, Bemis, thank you very much as my co-host in the Prospect Hour. Um, you can follow his work. Um, he does a fantastic job covering the AHL Bruins for the Sinbin.net website, which is one of the uh, best minor pro hockey websites out there. I suggest you follow, bookmark, and read the content because uh, hockey is good no matter what level. And uh, please follow Josh on Twitter, at 2Causeway. He does a great job. Um, uh, tweeting about the NHL Bruins, AHL Bruins, and, and any of the prospects that he uh, currently follows. So, uh, Josh, thank you very much for your time today and, 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 your t and, and in Buffalo. And 
I can't wait to get back to um, the regular life uh, yep. next week when we when we when we tone it down a little bit and be like, yeah, we're back and we're just <laughs> you know, there's no more excitement. It's just it's just us gabbing away. But um, uh, Josh, thanks again for the time and uh, and I look forward to your insight of uh, Bruins practice today and uh, and the rest of the um, prospect challenge coverage. Perfect, Mark. I'll see you next week and uh, I'll see you on Twitter. Awesome. Take care, Josh. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at blackandgold277, at courtlalonde, and at rob40bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.